Hello, Daddy. Hello, baby. How's my love child? Fine. Tell me, of all your dreams, what most do you hope to be when you become a big girl? Daddy, I would like to be Miss Black America. This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the analogue TV podcast that has a loungewear portion and an eveningwear portion and then a swimwear portion. Yes. And you've got to impress in all three portions. I, I, I think you'll find I will. Well, I should hope so. There's a big prize at stake. Thousand quid? Is a thousand quid. But it's not just a thousand quid, is it? You're representing Anglia TV in an ambassadorial role. Yeah, yeah. For a whole year. Just think how many shindigs and things you're going to get to go to. Yeah, but then what do you do at the end of that year? Presumably, you then start to pursue a increasingly sad and desperate career in softcore pornography and... Okay. You know, por- pornographic pho- photograph model. Okay. Fair enough. I have no idea if that's actually what you do. I mean, maybe you become an actress. Yeah. This is a lot of people uh, had the ambition to um, become an actress, or a... there were there were some very interesting characters. Anyway, we should we should discuss, we should actually we should tell discuss the... exactly what this. Yeah, is. we should we should tell the listeners that haven't fallen asleep or already chucked their speaker at the wall. Uh, yeah. What we're actually going to be talking about this evening. I this suppose. week, we have watched... I mean, this is all part of Ian's grand plan to make me listen to the song When You're In Love With A Beautiful Woman in as many ways as he possibly can. We know it's hard. This is Miss Anglia, 1980. A one-off talent show made by Anglia Television, presumably... Not shown outside of the Anglia region, I would have thought. I, I would doubt very much that it was shown outside I mean, the yeah. Anglia what, region. What would anybody in TVS or London, yeah, you know, want to know about who's Miss Anglia? Yeah. To, as we say, win a thousand pounds, the title Miss Anglia, and a year's ambassadorial role yeah. for Anglia TV. Pressing the flesh at all of the big TV meetings. Yeah, well, I, I'm, like I say, you know, I'm not entirely certain what exactly. When I say pressing the flesh, what I mean is getting your cans out. Do you do you think do you think that's do you think that's necessary? Well, I, I mean, to be I, fair, I hope, to be I fair, one not. of them did in the swimwear section, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. To win this role, Miss Anglia, if it's being done on any level beyond the, you know, who looks best in swimwear and who's got the nicest smile. It's doing a very good job of hiding that fact because this is just a straight-up beauty contest. Oh, yeah. There's no, yeah. There's no suitability beyond, well, no, I you mean, know, having a smashing bouffant hairdo and big norks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a beauty contest and they used to be on the TV. They were on the TV more recently than you probably imagine. This programme reminded me a lot of that uh, show that we did, the 1979 World Disco Dancing Championship. I, I knew you were going to say that. It had a, it had a very similar feel. It, it was quite a sterile experience. What we, we're in, we were informed by our velour-suited host, the inimitable Fred Dynage, that... We were going to be looking at 36 of the East Anglia region's most uh, spectacular beauties. Mm-hmm. And that the judging panel would then be whittling away. And then you get a brief moment with each, each of these 36 contestants. And then without a buy your leave, you know, it's a commercial break or somebody comes on to do a song and half of them are gone. Well, yeah, I mean, at least... At least, and this is my comparison with the 1979 World Disco Dancing Championship, uh, <laughs> is that at least they got through it in about a minute and a half. They were given like, you know, 
three seconds each, and then boom, straight on to the next one. And, yeah, and that obviously was, they, they didn't have to be given time to show off their moves. Yeah, that was and that was fine. No issue with that. Of course, the problem, one of the biggest problems with the 1979 World Disco Dancing Championships was that it took them about fucking 25 minutes to get through all the contestants. It's like, oh, Christ almighty, will you just get on with it? And at least, at least, they they rattled through them quickly. Let me just rewind a little way on this, though. Okay. Because I want to be absolutely clear that this is fucking disgusting and degrading and an appalling piece of television (laughs) because I feel as if we've got so far into talking about it and I should have made that clearer sooner. I can't quite get my head around the idea of having 36 very young women one of them is 17. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's. I would have thought that the average age is probably touching the teens. Yeah. There's a lot of very young contestants. Yeah, they're tagged like fucking cattle. <laughs> and they are shown off yeah. in a variety of outfits. Yep, there's day wear, yeah. evening wear. And swimwear. And it's like, okay, so if you're going out for the day, what would you wear? If you're going out for the evening, what would you wear? Oh, and basically, we're going to need a good idea of what you actually look like naked as well. Because that's what the swimwear round is. Yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah. And it's different times and all that, but there'd been a very public demonstration against Miss World a full decade earlier. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. When they chucked flour at Bob Hope during the 1970 <laughs> Miss World con- contest. And fair fucking play to them, right? And they're still yanking out this shit a full decade later. But then again, I mean, is this as, as in-depth and, and awful as Miss World? Because again, this it seems quite sterile. Yes, there's the swimwear thing, but otherwise... These people are just parading past while somebody whiffles off some statistics. And I, and I don't know whether that's better or worse or as bad or just as bad but in a completely different way. Cheryl Mayhew, our number eight, is a Northampton girl. She's 19 and works as a sales representative. She likes rug making, playing the guitar and banger racing. And Cheryl is qualified as a croupier. Nineteen-year-old Barbara Gillespie comes from Ipswich. She is five foot seven inches tall and measures 36, 24, 37. She's very active with hobbies like ice skating, horse riding, and disco dancing. And her ambition is to travel while she's young. Braintree in Essex is home for Judy Fawcett. Her measurements are 35, 23, 35. She's 5 foot 4 inches tall and is 18 years old. Her hobbies include driving, looking after her dog and cookery. I mean, I know for sure that Miss World was still going on the TV. Either that or they bought it back on the TV in the late 1990s. And it was on Channel 5. And I reckon I saw it one year. And I yeah, reckon yeah. it was 1999. Yeah, I remember there being a big fanfare about the whole thing, but the, then it died down fairly quickly. But I mean, the thing is, beauty contests have grown steroids since over the previous 20 years anyway, haven't they? Because it, if something is um, is just modernising, that's going to ultimately happen to it so i but i i don't know whether this 1980 version where they're literally just kind of almost like led through you know you kind of half expect them to have a fucking leash around their neck that <laughs> bloke in a long white coat and a flat cap well that actually wouldn't you know, look out of place and it wouldn't it would not look out of place it's uh, it, it's it, it's just kind of i don't know horrible and what's what's really noticeable, and they do this at the very, very beginning of it, and they meet last year's winner. 
Yes. Is that she seems extremely ambivalent about the whole experience. <laughs> well, she did, yeah, she was did seem decidedly lukewarm about the year that she'd had as 1979's Miss Anglia. Even though she got a lovely portrait, hand, hand-drawn hand portrait by Peter Deere. I wonder where that portrait is now. <laughs> the thing that interests me, when we very breezily, having met last year's winner, very breezily we dive into the first 18 contestants. And the thing that interested me most about them is that each one, Christine... Weber, the co-host, who was doing the voiceover. Yeah. For each one, there was a slightly different combination of things. They'd obviously, they filled out a, a, a questionnaire, like they'd get footballers to fill out for a focus on in Shoot magazine. Yeah, yeah. And then also, you know, they've weighed them and prodded them and measured them. Yeah. Because these things matter. And And, and so you get what they do, what their ambition is, how tall they are. Some of them, they give their measurements. Yeah. The old 35, 22, 34, Debbie Richardson. She's also a Virgo. I did note down here that I'm not sure why their star signs are so important. Well, you do, actually, you do start to wonder, as more and more people come out, whether or not it's a sort of a coded message from from the uh, from the makers of the program to say what it's a coded message that this person isn't very interesting is what I'm saying. Some of these um, potted bios that the, the contestants got take this one for example number eight Cheryl mm. Mayhew mm-hmm. nineteen she's a sales rep and she's into rug making banger racing and she's a qualified croupier. Right. Now, at 19, that's a pretty broad that's portfolio. A, that's a, that's I a... want to know more about Cheryl Mayhew. Yeah. <laughs> Compare that to Debbie Richardson, 18, she's 35, 22, 34, and a Virgo. <laughs> Do you see? There's definitely, there's definitely a, a, a sort of a, a coded message. A nod there. and a wink. Yeah. They're saying, listen, some of these people have more developed lives than others. But how are they going to know? That said, Debbie Richardson, number three, got through to the final three eventually. Cheryl Mayhew didn't even make the cut for the first round. So there you go. I mean, the thing about the list is, list of things, is that it's very, very bland. Yeah, yeah. Chinese food is quite popular. Italian food is quite popular. Yeah, curry. Um, One of them wants to own a Rolls Royce. One of them, with a 10,000-yard stare, just says that she wants to be happy. I don't know which number that was, but that's all she's got. And she looks, bloody hell, she looks like she's about to burst into tears. One of them likes (laughs) eating corn cocktails. Yeah. um, It's almost as if somebody's gone, you know, somebody's written a script for it from 2020. Maybe we just don't realise how uh, well, how, how accurate, arch it is how accurate these things are to be fair fred dinage has changed very little in the intervening 41 years since this was first broadcast well i don't know i think if you were to put them side by side you'd see quite a i i mean i think yeah i mean yeah all right to be fair maybe sorry do you want do you want to know how old fred dinage was when this was made i'm going to go 36 37 oh it's either either way's fairly brutal, isn't it? <laughs> but then again, you know, you understand why Fred Dynage was chosen to present this programme when you cop an eyeful of the judges. Well, the thing is that Fred Dynage is a safe pair of hands, and he's a genuinely safe pair is of hands. Is he ever? They will have been aware, going into making this, that this sort of thing isn't to everybody's taste and a lot of people are, and an increasing number of people are going to be yes. really actually offended by it. Yeah. So the last thing you want is to have Bobby Davro hosting it <laughs> and deciding on the spur of the moment that he wants to do one of the fucking rounds dressed as Hitler. Which he would. Yeah, you, well, you can't afford to have anybody going off script. You're sailing in close enough to the edge 
in the first place just by doing it. I, I kind of under he's a completely understandable and a very good choice for the role, I suppose. You won't hear a word against Fred Dynage from me. I mean, he's he did present a programme on Anglia Television called Gambit, which mm. I think was a quiz show. Well, we'll come back to Gambit. He is best known for his work on TVS, where he is very much local royalty. Yes, he is very much local royalty. Gambit, of course, is one of their favourite TV shows. Yeah, he was he was extremely pleased. He was well, of course, because that's himself. his show. But there is a further Gambit link to this programme, which I'll come back to uh, a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> there's a, there's a, no spoilers. <laughs> That's one of the things they were very insistent about finding out was people's favourite television programme. The, the further you got into the contest, the more crucial it obviously became what someone's favourite television programme was. They, it does say during the programme that the judges have met all of the 36 contestants and spoken to them. So yep. you know it's not it's not just a cattle auction brackets it yes is. it is 18-year-old Jean Hoare is from Dovercourt. She works as a liaison clerk and invoice typist. She has a host of hobbies, which include drama, dancing and reading. And the person she'd most like to meet is John Cleves. Julie Seymour, number 29, is a Chelmsford girl. She has a perfect hourglass figure measuring 36, 23, 36. Julie works as a receptionist and enjoys driving, disco dancing, jogging and modelling. As the judges narrow this 36-person shortlist, long list, whatever you want to call it, cattle auction list, down to 12 contestants. Savage. Savage, a savage chop. Savage act. There's going to be a, a need for a certain amount of time and deliberation. Yeah. So Mr Vince Hill, singer of some repute, has been deputed to come along and sing a couple of numbers for us. He this this man staggers out. He's yeah. 35 years old. And he looks 60. He does look if he's he does, a day. He, I I I hadn't looked up how old he was, but I was watching him and I was thinking about it and I was trying to work out how old he was without having to look up his Wikipedia page. And so I figured, I don't know, he must be, what, 50, 55, something like that? So he's like one of these kind of late, must be like one of these late 50s crooners, you know. No, devastating. Whatever, but really? Good Lord. here's here's, Here's a Vince Hill thing, right? Now... When we were, we were discussing this last week, and you mentioned, well, oh, Vince Hill's on it. Yes. And I said to you, I've seen him on Rainbow. <laughs> and I sent you a clip. Yes. On WhatsApp. Do you, you recall that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, right? You're going to like this. Okay. I only afterwards realised, upon pressing play and watching a bit of it, that I'd never seen that clip before. All of which means that Vince Hill has been on Rainbow twice. <laughs> well, that that we know of. That we know of. Yeah, yeah. he might have yeah. been a regular a regular visitor. God, I'm I'm making a greater than or equals to sign with my fingers. This is yeah. this is this is good podcasting. This well, is good yeah, podcasting. we're really we're really knocking it out of the park today. Yeah, so I mean, compared to Rainbow. I reckon this is quite a big gig for him. Oh, know? I should say I so. Mean, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know what the deal is. Is he on his uppers? Because it's weird if somebody's on their uppers, but they keep getting these really I think jobs. that he was not necessarily on his uppers. I think he was sort of treading treading a usual amount of water. Yeah, he'll just do anything. Yeah? He'll just well, do whatever. <laughs> I don't think there's any dispute about that now, yeah. is there? I mean, I admire that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, fair enough. Rainbow, Rainbow, Rainbow. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Vince Hill's got to eat. Sign me up. Sign me up for one episode of series for fifteen years, because that's the other thing, is that the the clip of him that I've seen on Rainbow before. In fact, I've seen the full episode. <laughs> it's from about nineteen seventy seven, and the one that I sent you is definitely not from nineteen seventy seven. That's from some point in the nineteen eighties. 
Yeah, well, you can tell because Bungle hasn't got safety pins through his nostrils. Yeah, it's 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 really really weird, is what it is, and and, and kind of fascinating as well. But the thing is, right? So they they do Vince Hill. Yeah, Vince Hill sings "Everything Is Beautiful." And then the 12 remaining contestants are revealed. Yeah, it's while they're getting changed into their... So, so yeah, work. they're getting changed into their evening wear. The, the, the contestants that come through, Delia Moff, 18. She's got nine O-levels, yeah. two A-levels, and as yeah. a musician. No, I don't, I don't think we need to go through all this again. <laughs> because basically what they do is they just, they just roll through exactly the same thing again. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Except they're wearing a different outfit. The judges, having seen nothing more, really, of, of, of any of the contestants, they were in a um, day wear, they're now in evening wear. We would have no additional information than that. They're going to need to go and make another decision. In step, yeah. guys and dogs... <laughs> Guys and dolls. Now, I had no idea that there even existed such a band, uh, Guys and Dolls, who were a, a singing quartet, originally a trio, mm-hmm. made up of two men and two mm-hmm. women. And they basically, they look like Brotherhood of Man on manky pills. Well, hang on a minute, because roll back there a little bit. You know who one of those men was, yeah? Oh, no, please. No. He's, he'd left. He'd left before this. I'll come back to that. Oh, Jesus. Um, he wasn't on Gambit, was he? He wasn't on Gambit. No, David Van Day. Was it? Yeah. Jesus. It, David Van Day and Teresa Bizarre. What is wrong with people? Were both... There, there were six people, I think, originally in Guys and Dolls. Yeah. And they actually left. They had they they had a few hit singles. They were a top 10 band. Well, yeah. They were Yeah. They they've got they've got a certain energy to them, but they are essentially a covers band. Is all they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, their first single, their first big single was um and and the thing is for anybody my age, this is a really significant song. Okay. Oh, here we go. Um yes. It's um there's a whole lot of loving and it actually came out, I think it was the end of 1975. So I would have been, or maybe the start of 1975, I don't know. But I would have been tiny. But the thing about There's a Whole Lot of Loving is that it was a song that was essentially a cash-in on uh, a piece of music that was being used on the TV as an advert for biscuits for i think it was mcvitie's digestive biscuits oh okay and this advert was on the tv all the time now this they're on top of the pops doing this and i've seen the episode and when i saw it this is a very very long time ago it was like being wrapped in a warm blanket that smell of biscuits it was it was like um i'm forever searching proustian rushes you know, oh god! And it was one of the biggest ones that I had, and I had to go away and look it up because I was like, "That song is so familiar to me." Yeah, well, why is that song so familiar to me? And the answer is because when I was about two or three, if I was just parked in front of the TV for half the day or whatever, you know, while my yeah. mum's doing stuff around the house and my dad's at work, and my sister's at school, then I would have seen that advert a lot. Yeah. So that was the original incarnation of, of Guys and Dolls. Now, David Van Day is David Van Day. And he was kind of, I think, I don't know whether it was an on-off relationship um, with Teresa Bizarre. Um, <laughs> but they left, anyway, to do Dollar. And that was, like, by the end of 1977. Good grief. And, and Dollar are on the downward slide by this time. Their, their, their time was yeah. four or five years ago. Um, they did, I'm pretty sure, that they did a song for Europe one year. I'm, I'm pretty sure that they did it. But um, what's very interesting about this clip, well, there are two very interesting things about it. We'll come back to the second one in a moment. <laughs> but the first very interesting thing about this clip is that there is noticeably less Dominic Grant in this clip okay. than there was in the Top of the Pops clip that I saw 
of them doing There's a Whole Lot of Loving. Um, now, the thing about that is, if you if you watch that clip, and I'm, I'm sure you will afterwards, <laughs> what you will realise and what you will see is that Dominic Grant was, in 1975, the leonine alpha male of Guys and Dolls. Oh, blimey. You know? Is he the one who looks like Pop Shop from Viz? Big afro. No, 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 no. That's that's the other guy. That's the other guy. We'll come back. We'll come back. I've got I've got things to say. I'm sure you have. But no, Dominic Grant is the other one, the kind of tall, slender, blonde, like I say, Leonine, always shirt unbuttoned a little bit too far. You know. And the thing is that in nineteen seventy five he he was the the king of the jungle, yeah. <laughs> he was he was ruling the roost, and uh, there's a part of it. Of what what happened? What happened in those intervening five years? Because the camera is not on him, and the doubly weird thing about that, of course, is that well they're down to a four piece now. For one thing, like I say, they were a six piece when they started. I'm pretty certain. I want to double check that actually, just in case I'm getting it all completely wrong. Um, yes, it was. They, yeah, they were. They were six pieces <laughs> to start with. That's something of a relief to me in my editorial capacity. Yeah, that would be a lot to have to cut out, wouldn't it? Yeah, but no, they were. So anyway, a they're down to four from six. B the guy is still the lead singer. And Dominic Grant was the lead singer. He was the guy who sung There's a Whole Lot of Loving Going On with um, with, with one of the women. So what's happened and what's changed? Because they haven't just... If it was David Van Day singing lead, if he was still in the band and, and he was singing lead, you'd be like, okay, fair enough, yeah, they both sing the lead. But they haven't just taken the lead away from Dominic Grant. They've taken it away and given it to the new bloke. The new bloke. Do you know what I mean? That's that's that's. I, I, I'm interested in whatever politics was going on there because if there's one thing I know <laughs> about the guys and dolls, dollar, bucks fizz, David Dan Day's bucks fizz. Oh my god! It, if if there's one thing I know about that story arc is that politics is everything. I have to say. So I'm absolutely fascinated. Although I would add, I would also like to add. Yeah. That I did find out in the in the course of researching this, uh, and this made me actually very sad, that Dominic Grant died in November last year. Oh, okay. 70, 71 years well, old. Well, there you go. Um, so that, that, that did actually make me quite sad. But I'm interested in knowing what happened. In that, <laughs> you, you really do need to find that clip of them doing Guys and Dolls on Top of the Pops. I'll see if I can yeah. find it. He's in charge. I have. You know, he is... I have never heard of guys and dolls, as I as I say. I was not expecting that what's happened in the last five minutes because clearly you've thought a lot about guys and dolls. You not well, look, only the, know the, who the... they are, but you know where they've come from, and you're keen to find out where they're going. Well, the thing the thing about them is that they're the origin story of this. If you oh, if God. you if you get into this story about David Van Day, like you know, coming to my parlour, said the spider to the fly, and all that stuff that happened with Buck's Fizz, all all the stuff in that episode of uh, Trouble at the Top. If you know that and you start reading back, and it's like, oh, well, suddenly there's the dollar story, and the dollar story is weird. Because very briefly, Dollar were really fucking good. <laughs> they were these two talentless fucking hacks. This pair of fucking idiots. <laughs> but then suddenly, from out of nowhere, Trevor Horn swooped in and said, Tell you what, I'll produce you three next singles. And he did these three brilliant singles and then just fucked off to leave them to it. So that's a really interesting story. And then, of course, when you get to that, when you're back at the start of that, then that leads you back to suddenly you're at Guys and Dolls and you're watching an episode of Top of the Pops from 1975 and Dominic Grant is your lord and master. What can I say? Well, anyway, Guys and Dolls perform two songs. (laughs) They they perform... When, when you're in love with a beautiful woman by Doctor Who, which 
Which uh, if, if, I wasn't if, if expecting. People, I, I wasn't haven't expecting picked up on the fact that. that there is some. There is something. <laughs> you know, there, there's a deeper resonance to that song. Um, honestly, every 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 once in a while, <laughs> for next to no reason whatsoever, <laughs> I will just send him the YouTube link to Doctor Hook doing when you're in I'm, love. I'm with pretty a sure that woman. you you think about that song a lot. I think about that song at least twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to it every day, but I wouldn't be surprised if I listened to it every other day. Oh my! I love it. I think it's a great song. But the thing is, right? Yeah. Has he blacked up? Well, uh, well. Is it just a tan? It's difficult. I mean, it's certainly there's a whole lot of bronzing going on. Yeah, there's a whole lot of bronzing going on, going on. There's a whole lot of bronzing going on. <laughs> That's how the song goes, by the way. Yeah. But I don't know. No. It's very strange. That's a, yeah, Paul Griggs. But yeah, I mean, once once I'd recovered from the heart attack that I had upon seeing them do When You're In Love With A Beautiful Woman. Yeah. They then move on to The Letter. Yes. By The Box Tops, written by Alex Chilton when he was like 15 or something. But, you know, that that's a good little link, isn't it? Big Star, who I like very, very much, to Miss Anglia 1980. Oh, God help me. In, what, two steps? I take it you know that. I don't I don't know if you do or not, or did or not. I didn't know that it was written by Alex Chilton, no. And sung by him. He was like a, he was like a, a big star. When Big Star started, he was like he'd been very briefly a teenager. He was, a, he, was a big, he was the big star in Big Star. He was, yeah, and he was very, very, very young when they when they did that. He was like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, something like that. Very young. Yeah. And uh, it went to, I think it went to number one in America, or it went into the top five in America. And so, yeah, so there you go. But that's, yeah, if you know the origin of that song, that's him out of Big Star singing it. I'll tell you, I am full of surprises. You are, you are, full of, you are yeah. absolutely bursting forth with knowledge. The judging is obviously taking a fairly long time. You know, they're putting a lot of thought into this. Uh, and part three begins with another musical number, a completely unheralded and unexpected mambo. <laughs> there was a moment, I have to confess, where I wondered whether or not someone was playing silly buggers with the clip or it <laughs> just switched to something else on YouTube. <laughs> Because yeah. that mambo had absolutely no connection to anything, and I'm, I'm gonna—I'll give them their due. The Anglia TV Orchestra were yeah. were a very good orchestra. It's not their fault that the program that they're on is utterly pointless and degrading. Well, I tell I tell you this, right? Okay. The Anglia TV Orchestra. It's not actually the Anglia TV Orchestra. That wasn't their name. Well, that's a shame. Uh, their name was Their name was Peter Fenn and his orchestra. Peter Fenn was Anglia TV's director of music for more than thirty years. Mm. Died in two thousand and eleven. Mm. Uh, and he also wrote the theme tunes to uh, Sale of the Century and Gambit. Here we go. Gambit, yes. So there's your next. There's your other Gambit uh, link. Uh, sadly, he didn't write the theme tune to Tales of the Unexpected, which I briefly wondered whether he might have done. Well, I mean, he does, does seem to be running the gamut of other Anglia television programmes, doesn't he? Well, the thing is that they reminded me, like... The senior team, or what well, they reminded me of, the seniors team for the BBC Top of the Pops Orchestra, yeah. who would uh, be the band who would record the backing version of songs for solo artists on Top of the Pops. If you you remember that clip we've seen a few times of um, the Temptations. Doing, I can't get next to you on top of the pops. You know I think, what I mean. I yeah? think a, f- I think a few times is d- yeah, doing it a little bit of injustice. Yeah, 
And have you ever noticed how the musical backing track sounds absolutely fucking nothing whatsoever? Like the backing tracks of that song. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's because it's the Top of the Pops Orchestra playing it. Hold it, hold it, listen. They smell overwhelmingly of pickled eggs. You know, they've been dragged from the bar, pint of heavy and mild still in their hand, sat down behind these instruments, told to get get playing a mambo. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, the average age of this orchestra oh, no. is about 73 some of the, some years Some of the boys old. in that brass section are, look like they're blowing their last. Yeah, oh, my personal favourite was the guy playing the bongos <laughs> with glasses like jam jars. <laughs> Sl- slicked back brill creamed hair. Smacking away at these things like he's like, you know, they're a piece of leather that he's got to tan. And and this this is I mean that's what British light entertainment looked like in the late nineteen seventies. It looked like then. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. Obviously, they're capable and competent musicians. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, they have got. They have got in a musical sense, no swing whatsoever. Well, yeah, you know. It's like the difference between listening to British trad jazz of the 1950s and New Orleans trad jazz of the 1950s, yeah? <laughs> yeah. You've got Acker Bilks to bolt upright <laughs> with his clarinet and his bowler hat, <laughs> you know, on the one hand. And, th- and these are the same. These are the same, you know. They're, they're, they're a big band and they are required to be very versatile because if you work for a television company, then who fucking knows what you're going to get? One week, you've got to play a mambo for Miss Anglia. <laughs> Next week, you've got gambit rehearsals. Two, two o'clock. Yeah. Be there. Be there. So you've got to be versatile, but that doesn't mean that you can just be a bit shit at all of them. It means you've got to be able to convincingly pass yourself off. And this could quite easily, that this, this mambo, all it needed was a bearded man in a pirate's hat going, Mambo! <laughs> and it could have been fucking Lieutenant Pigeon. I mean, I like them in a way. I like the fact that these men collectively and individually would smell dreadful and wouldn't give a fuck. Well, I think because they would all smell so dreadful of this, roughly the same thing, they wouldn't even notice anymore. Yeah, there, there's something about that reaching back which is very appealing, but I'm not going to try and defend it as being any good. <laughs> and I mean, fair play... To Peter Fenn, most East Anglian name of all time, <laughs> my I am. Yeah, it's true. He made a 30-year living as the director of music for, like, what, ITV's eighth biggest company. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's been ten years since he died. I still know how the theme tune to Sale of the Century went. Mm. You know. Well. His name lives on. Ten years after he died, and there's two idiots who've never achieved anything. Damn straight. Talking about him on a podcast. He wins. Oh, yeah, I think that he definitely won long long before that. Um, yeah. The final six are now announced. This is the meet the boobs This round. is the meet the boobs round. This is the bathing costume portion. Yeah. They've also, at this stage in the competition, they have advanced sufficiently to be granted... Oh a brief interview with Fred Dynage on camera. Rather more gallingly, they clearly state that none of the contestants know who the last six are yet. Yeah. What this means is, of course, there are six 
girls out the back in swimming costumes for no reason. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Shall I just go through? Because I just put down like one line each for all of them. I was like, look, 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 I'm just going to note down here exactly what I need to know. Okay. So, Delia. Delia Moth. I don't know what it is about the red lipstick they've got, but it's like red gloss paint. <laughs> now, that was a theme that was going on throughout the evening. And I was so distracted by how shiny her lipstick was that I completely didn't realise until a little bit later on, until they made the announcement of the winners. I didn't realise that she practically wasn't wearing anything. She just had extremely shiny lips. She was wearing a bikini that was made of of, of rope. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. It was it was and I, I didn't even notice I was so so there you go. Delia Moth Delia Moth's from Peterborough. Her favourite television programme, which they will all ask at this point, is upstairs downstairs. Debbie Debbie Richards see through blouse. Eileen just standing around in my bikini. Yep. Erica likes the professionals. She does. Solid choice. Yep. I mean, I, I, I mean, I need to do a podcast about the professionals because I've been watching the first series of that, and I've got a lot to say. I'm about. sure you have. Pauline writes poetry about men and likes George and Mildred. Yep. And Melanie just got likes Gambit. Sort of she, yeah, she that. she likes circuit training, which is a lie. No one likes circuit training. Uh, and then Fred successfully press gangs her into saying Gambit as her favourite television programme. No, it's, a, it's an entirely voluntary decision and completely understandable. Do you do you think that anyone's favourite television was Gambit? This podcast brought to you by Gambit. <laughs> the, Watch Gambit. The final, the final three, Debbie Richardson won £200, Pauline yep. won £500, and the winner was Delia Moff, who quite quite tearfully accepted her prize. Looked like Lamoff's had been at her bikini, am I right? Well, all the while, I imagine she was thinking that the first thing she was going to do in, in the morning was set about in motion a uh, change of name, because Delia Moff... Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just her name, isn't it? It's well, I mean, yeah, she's probably very proud to be a moth. She comes from a long line of yeah. moths. But... I mean, Delia Moth. I didn't look into anything, you know, whether or not her um, ambassadorship for Anglia Television was successful or what she went on to do. Yeah. Did you did you learn much from I this was experience? absolutely just gobsmacked, one, at how banal it was. I, I, I mean, mm. that, as they always, they always say, the banalness of evil. And there, there it is, writ large. There is a, a very distinct rhythm to it, and they it just follows the same old pattern every mm. every single time, and uh, nobody learns anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be a you know humorless feminazi or anything, but um, <laughs> I'm going to because this sort this is exactly the sort of shit that brings it out in you. I don't necessarily think that anybody involved in it was trying to do any harm. No. But it is surprising, in a sense, that this was allowed on television so long after it first became apparent and clear and, you know, an idea that the public could digest if they wished to. The beauty contests are not okay. Yeah. Fight the power. That is surprising, and then because of because it feels so alien now, it's just like whatever happens over the next fifty minutes or whatever it was, it's gonna make no sense whatsoever and make perfect sense at the same time. Because at the end of the day, this is like the only experience really that I have of. A beauty contest that wasn't this ridiculous thing in Las Vegas, you know, this 1999 one that we saw, where it was just, you know, it was just a piece of light entertainment fluff and an excuse to push some pretty women out in front of a camera. This feels different. This is a way of life and an attitude and a set of beliefs. (laughs) And I don't 
know how you could look at this and not be revolted by it. I recommend watching it because it is a historical document. And I've said it before about this. You know, one of the things that I love the most about this weird medium is that it very seldom pays any thought to its legacy (laughs) when it's making its programs. It's, It's talking directly to its audience of the time. It doesn't give a fuck what 2020 thinks. And that is in that makes it interesting, you know. So I do recommend watching it, but I, you know, by the end of it, you're you're gonna be wanting to shout girl power and uh, dismantle the patriarchy even more mm-hmm. than you did before. In all uh, I mean, that's, that's... it sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? Well, it does sound like a lot of work. It's thousands of years of deeply ingrained attitudes that have got to be undone. But just because it's a lot of work doesn't mean you shouldn't try, I guess. Yeah, all right, Shay Guevara. But it's, but it's. I mean, this is this is this is horse wank. And you know, if you if you do give it a miss, then. I can't say I blame you. Why would I? You've already wasted however long listening to us talking about it. <laughs> you got any creamy centres this week? Dozens. Oh, good. Well, I don't. You know, it, it, it's been a it, it, it's been a it's been a creamy sort of week. Actually. <laughs> um, hush. I watched several episodes of something that I can't disclose what it is because I'm considering putting it on a list of a podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Oh, I watched quite a few videos of ducks eating peas, which I know is a favourite subject of yours. Well, now, there's there's very little content that is better on YouTube than ducks eating peas. Yeah, and on, and on Saturday, which was uh, FA Cup final day i watched meanwhile back in sunderland in the morning if you haven't seen that it is the 1973 tine tees television documentary which follows what happens to the people who stay in sunderland and who don't go down to london for the fa cup final and it's peak 1973 it's magnificent and because i watched so much shit and I really do some absolute effluence. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to up my intake of good TV. You're quotient. And that doesn't necessarily mean good TV. That can also mean, you know, whatever the fuck the professionals is. Because I'm ploughing my way through the first series of that. And honestly, I mean, Jesus. I'm trying to get something every week. One thing every week, which I can look... I can, Yeah, this, this is good quality. Yeah. Uh, and so I went for Porridge. Okay. All the episodes of it, plus Going Straight, plus the movie. And I watched the movie, and it's really good. It's really good. Well, I was surprised at how good it was. Very good. Very atmospheric. I think it's shot on location in, like, kind of the windswept Cumbria. Fucking looks like it if it isn't. But you can feel the cold and the damp and the dank of prison. It's It's... It's very good. So there you go, my creamy centres. Well, that is that is exciting. I didn't actually. I, I what I've got is a list of creamy centres. So my creamy centres next week are going to be exceptional, but I haven't actually got around to watching them yet. Oh, I see. <laughs> I have oh, mainly. That, oh, that's why it was all eyes on me to do. <laughs> I have flying solo. I have mainly. On YouTube this week, judging by my history, been watching Break From Life, which is a, a rather quirky snooker instructional channel. Right, yes, yeah, so you've been sending me regular links from that. Uh, and I watched the beginning of an American programme called That's Incredible from October the 12th, 1981 yesterday. But I really didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> there was yeah. There was a... A boy who was born without sweat glands, who was getting some sort of NASA-designed cooling apparatus fitted to him. And then there was a, a, a woman pool champion. I don't believe that such a thing could be possible. Yeah, it is difficult to believe that a woman can play pool. See, this is what happens when you watch Miss Anglia 1980. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, whose fault was that? Speaking of which... Yep, next week... It's my choice. It is your choice. It is your choice. I'm very excited about this choice. I think we are both going to learn a lot from Bertha. <sighs> Lovely Bertha. Oh, God, that's... This is going to be like 10 minutes long, isn't 15 it? 15 minutes. We're we going to have to... 15 minutes. That's a minimum of like three minutes per minute we've got to have to talk about it. I'm going to have to go forensic on yeah, it. Yeah, well, thank... I've never seen it. I've never seen well, it. Well, you're going to be enchanted oh, because old. that machine can build anything. And it's got a person. So it's a machine that can build anything? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. I thought it might be a train or something like that. No, no, no. It's very much fixed to the spot where it produces things. Bertha is... is... Oh, they they need a... Sounds to me like they need a portable version. Well, possibly they do, but that will be part of our, no doubt, micro-analysis next week. Well, it's going to have to be, isn't it? Yes. Right, are we done? I should say so. All beautied out? Yes. Yeah, I feel it. Okay then. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. While the judges are doing that, will you now welcome the second of tonight's uh, musical guests, two guys, two dolls. Together they make the sensational sound of Guys and Dolls. (laughs) 